Welcome to James Ames Business with Chartered Management Accountant, James Fairchild. Hello, James Fairchild here. During the week that's just ended, there were three different announcements concerning the coronavirus job retention scheme. There was a direction from Chancellor to HMRC, which was released on Wednesday, and then on Friday, yesterday, there were two separate announcements uh, from government about different aspects of the scheme. Putting this out on Saturday evening, the 18th of April, hopefully it will sync overnight and appear on your devices by tomorrow morning, Sunday morning. Monday, 20th, is the day that the portal is due to open. And call me a cynic, but what fun and games that will be for everybody trying to enter information about their company and their workers, employees, and so on. Obviously, we haven't, I haven't seen anything about that as of yet, so I can't really offer any advice. It may be worth, uh, if you are listening to this on Sunday, it may be worth double checking that your company's HMRC login uh, details work uh, just to get into the general www.hmrc.gov.uk site and we believe it's the same access details that you would use to access, for example, the company's PAYE and assuming it's under the same account, uh, the corporation tax as well. All will hopefully become clear on Monday morning. But now, coronavirus job retention scheme direction from the Chancellor. In this direction from Rishi Sunak to HMRC, which is the fifth version of something around the scheme, uh, there were four different iterations of guidance notes and there's now this more formal written direction. In this direction, a number of things either change or are clarified. First of all, the qualifying date. Previously, the payroll scheme had to exist on the 28th of February and the employee needed to be named on the payroll scheme as of that date. Both of those qualifying dates have now moved to the 19th of March. What I am not sure about at the moment is how this would affect somebody who was laid off between the 28th of February and the 19th of March and where, based on the first version of the guidance, it was subsequently agreed with that worker that they could be furloughed, even though 
at the point they left the business, they understood it just to be a, a layoff. Hopefully that will be no issue for people. Now, this direction requires written consent, written agreement from the employee that they will be furloughed and that they will do no work. The earlier versions of the guidance just required the employee to agree to being furloughed. So as perhaps a matter of priority, you may wish to review the documents that you've already issued and consider whether you need to put additional documents in place, perhaps take advice if, if needed. The general form that basic pay will be covered to a limit of £2,500 a month or 80% of the normal basic pay, whichever is the lower. That uh, remains the same. Uh, we are told that things like performance related pay or tips are disregarded. What this is still unclear on is things like regular overtime, things like regular on-call payments or allowances. We are also told that a conditional payment is not allowed. That is to say, a payment from the company to the employee that is conditional on something is not allowed. Now, there was a major household name business that was in the news a few weeks ago saying that that business would not pay its workers until they had actually received the money from HMRC. I do believe that that particular well-known business did renege on that and have been paying their employees in fact, but it would appear that any agreement that you may have asked your employees to sign that they will wait until you, the business, have received money from HMRC will not be valid. The onus is very clearly upon businesses to do whatever they need to do to ensure that employees are paid either as per standard, whether it be weekly or monthly or otherwise, or that they are paid as per whatever agreement to vary that may have been entered into. So in other words, your business may well need to go out and secure some kind of finance, whether it be an overdraft, whether it be one of these uh, government back loans from the British Business Bank or otherwise. Directors and following the last director or the sole director, this direction does state that a furloughed director can only undertake statutory duties in relation to the filing of accounts or the provision of information 
that is quite a restricted definition. It may be that your business requires a director to fulfill a different statutory duty, perhaps something around financial supervision, perhaps oversight of the production of alcohol, or a role such as a transport manager. I'm sure each business, each industry, there may well be something like that that applies to your business. Do read this direction document. It is available on the gov.uk website. Uh, it's perhaps in more legal speak than the previous guidance, but nevertheless do find it and do take a read of it. There are also two announcements that were made yesterday, Friday the 17th of April. First of all, the scheme has been extended. It was initially to run to the end of May, but it is now going to run until the end of June. That has happened based on the extension of the lockdown period. At the end of the day yesterday, the guidance document, not this direction document we've been talking about, but the earlier guidance document has been updated to clarify the issue of holiday leave during a furlough period. And the clarification is that holiday during furlough is allowed. That's certainly in the case of holiday that the worker already knew about, for example, two Easter bank holidays that we've just recently had, and any holiday leave that the, the worker, the employee, may have requested already. I believe, although this is less clear, I believe that the employer can give notice to the worker to take holiday. And this would either be as provided for in the employment particulars or else statutory notice from employer to employee is double the length of the holiday period. But if you're a business owner, it may well be prudent to consider this for May or June time. It's all around when you do eventually resume normal, or as close to normal business as possible, do you want those workers to be going off for holiday at different times? Or do you want to have a really busy period of getting back to normal, whatever that is, and resuming business output, hopefully going back into profit, so on and so forth. Now, holiday leave during furlough, it must be paid at 100% and not at 80%. So 
again, if you are able to sort of notice to a particular employee that, to use an example, towards the end of May, you require them to take two weeks holiday leave, notice would be four weeks or otherwise if your contract provides it, now is the time to serve that notice for something to happen at the end of May or if you want to serve notice for something to happen in June then obviously you've got a little bit uh, a little bit longer time to think about it. There is a clear advantage of course to you the business in doing this because it means that for your workers holiday instead of you having to pay 100% of that cost you are effectively only paying 20% although of course you are financing the other 80% until the point that you do physically receive it from HMRC. Do consider that further and take advice from somebody if that's something you would like to avail of. A couple of questions that I've been asked around furlough leave, coronavirus job retention scheme. It remains the case that there is no right for an employee to ask for furlough leave. It needs to be something that management decide upon and decide to offer employees. As we know, a period of furlough leave can be three weeks, 21 days or longer. It's quite possible to have furlough leave for 21 days, come back to work for one or two days, then go off on another 21 days furlough. It's also quite possible for one worker, one group of workers to have furlough leave for three weeks up until now for the sake of argument and then those workers come back another group of workers have three weeks 21 days furlough leave and alternate like that either approach is valid obviously it's a matter of business uh, resourcing how many people you actually need Obviously, the other points that we've made previously around considering people who are in particular groups and so on and so forth, but otherwise choosing who can have uh, or who can be offered furlough leave in a fair and appropriate way. I was also asked around training and again, obviously the employee can undertake any training or volunteering their choice while on furlough leave. If there's some training that you require them to do, presumably something that's specific to your industry or to their role, then you can certainly direct them to do that. The thing to be aware of is to make sure that you are paying them for that compulsory training, at least the national minimum wage levels, especially with that uh, with people where 80% would take them below the threshold 
don't forget as well that those national minimum, national minimum wage thresholds went up a few weeks ago, as I outlined on, on an earlier episode. I want to talk briefly about some potential future employee claims. As a general point, be wary of difficult employees who have perhaps got just under two years service and where two, three, four, whatever months of furlough pay will take them over that important two year service threshold. Obviously that gives them the right to make an unfair dismissal claim if they are dismissed further down the line. Also, be wary of a situation where an employee hasn't agreed in writing to a salary drop. Theoretically, although one would hope that the government ask the employment tribunals to be sensible around this, but theoretically there could be an unlawful deduction from wages claim for that other 20%. So very important to make sure that everything to do with uh, the furlough scheme is done correctly. And as I said earlier, make sure that you are paying them 80% of the correct thing. If someone has an employment contract for 36 hours a week, but in reality, every week they work 45, 50 hours, then whilst I say take advice on it, to be clear, it does seem that it's that normal wage that we need to take the 80% off. But again, as I say, do take, do take advice there. And finally, please consider carefully any request that your people may make to work elsewhere. A number of businesses do disallow working for others in their terms and conditions of employment or require an employee to ask before undertaking other work. Obviously, as I've said, take advice around the point, but it is unlikely that you would have a valid reason to deny such a request, especially if they're on furlough things around working hours, working time wouldn't arise. It may be that if you allow them to undertake another role that you require that the other role ceases at the point that they are brought back into work. Now that was all I wanted to say about that topic as I said the Direction from Rishi Sunak to HMRC is available on the gov.uk website. If you've got any questions for me or if you see anything uh, that comes out that you want to make me aware of, please email media at weeklyfd.com. Also very happy to receive your future topic suggestions. Next week unless something urgent occurs around the pandemic, I plan to deliver an episode around a non-pandemic topic 
and a couple of those that are near the top of the pile at the moment are Umbrella Companies and then also an episode around holiday money. So hopefully during next week I'll be recording one of those for you. Stay safe. Do let me know how you get on with that portal Monday morning. Goodbye. The contents of this podcast gives general case information which, whilst believed valid at the time of recording, can change and may not be the appropriate decision for your actual circumstances. You are advised to seek specific advice from an accountant, solicitor, financial advisor or other professional as the case may be. The author, creator and the various podcast apps or websites have no liability for any reliance on the content herein. The content is aimed principally at England and may differ for the rest of the British Isles. 